Trans Week of Visibility occurs annually, the week of March 31st, coinciding with the observance of the International Transgender Day of Visibility. This event was started in 2009 by Michigan-based transgender activist Rachel Crandall as a way to celebrate the transgender community in all its diversity, centering the lives of trans people. Here at UC Santa Barbara, Trans Week of Visibility will be observed this week as a way to bring together UCSB's trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming community in person following last year's online observance of the week. To unpack the details of this week's events, I sat down with Drew Buchanan, the Resource Center for Sexuality and Gender Diversity's Trans Empowerment Coordinator, and Marco Munoz, RCSGD's Interim Program and Volunteer Coordinator. Marco begins by explaining the significance of the observance. To jump a little bit further back, actually, so Trans Week of Visibility is typically held week one of spring quarter. Uh, that is to align it with Trans Day of Visibility, which is March 31st, typically like one of the first days of week one of spring. And to talk a little bit about Trans Day of Visibility, that's an annual holiday committed to celebrating trans, non-binary, gender-conforming folks around the world, as well as their accomplishments. And it also brings awareness to some of the struggles and the issues that we face. But of course, Trans Day of Visibility was established by uh, Rachel Crandall, a trans activist who spoke out against the fact that Trans Day of Remembrance was the only national holiday and the main one that was observed. So having that day be celebrated or, or just acknowledged within our community is always really important to us so we can take that time to bring awareness to our activism and to our to different like social justice leaders and even just our community members the reason that we actually moved our trans week of visibility to week four is to make sure that we could host it safely and in person for our community that way we don't have to worry about you know zoom and we can actually share in community and be in those spaces and be visible presence on campus mm -hmm. in interviews we've done before we've talked about how the how the pandemic was detrimental for lgbtq plus individuals given the fact that they were going back into spaces that were often unsafe for them how has that impacted your your planning here like you mentioned zoom and going back home and things like that have been always like a very hard Thing to talk about and oftentimes very hard to experience as well so we're really happy to be able to bring our community back on campus and offer resources or at least be able to share departments that have resources for people who are currently in that situation are anticipating being in that situation or have just come out of those situations yeah uh, so right now all of our events are planned to be in person but of course weeks one and two is the big transition from spring break and everything that might happen during that so we're also trying to be as safe as possible meaning that uh, week four, people have had enough time to be on campus to get themselves tested, get themselves reacquainted with the green badge system. Yeah. And of course, uh, we don't require masks, but we highly support the use of them just to keep our community safe. Yes. Um, and so let's get into some of these events here. We can start chronologically. I think that'd be a, a wonderful way to go. Um, what's happening on Monday? So Monday, we're kicking off with our trans sex ed workshop. It's going to be led by Han Cole, who is our... Um, queer and trans health equity advocate on campus. Um, and it's gonna be, uh, I believe it is a Zoom event. So that's one of our little options in case anybody doesn't want to or cannot be in person. Um, and trans sex ed is something that's very important to be accessible because um, trans people historically have not gotten very good sex ed. We've been very much eliminated from any sex education along with queer people. So. Um, I'm very excited. I'm going to be hosting that event and Han is going to be giving most of the information, but I'll be 
opening the Zoom room. And that's Monday from 2 to 3 p.m. on Zoom. And of course, people can register for that and get the Zoom link on our shoreline. The following day, Tuesday, um, we have two events that are taking place. Would you care to explain? I will be hosting our um, quarterly trans community lunch. It's usually a dinner, but um, we are working with the schedule here. <laughs> so our trans community lunch is going to be Tuesday from 3.30 to 5 p.m. on the third floor terrace of the SRB. This is an event that we do every quarter, though the theme and time of day changes, but um, is basically a time for trans and non-binary people to come together, eat some food, have some fun talks. It's not supposed to be a, a heavy pressure thing. It's kind of a time to let go and, and just enjoy our time together and celebrate our transness. And we happen to be very, very lucky to have a special guest, which I will let Marco go into a little bit more, but we're going to be joined by Dr. Lee Ayrton. And that leads us into our second event for that day. Yeah, so Dr. Lee Ayrton. So we talked a little bit about them. We're very excited to bring them to campus. So. They're an assistant professor of gender and sexuality studies at, in education at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Nice. So we're bringing them all the way from there in person over here for many events. Uh, some things that they have done before, they are the author of Gender Your Guide, a book that's been used to really help with not just uh, pedagogy for faculty, but also with staff best practices and things like that. So uh, it's key professional development, and we really hope that bringing them to campus can help uh, with facilitating workshops for staff and faculty so that they can get these best practices on how to create a welcoming and supportive environment for our trans non-binary gender community uh, students and community members. But also they're attending multiple other events, one of them yeah. being, of course, the trans community lunch where they're hopefully share a little bit about their experience, maybe talk to a few of our attendees. And also we want to highlight our really big event, which is their keynote. Uh, their keynote is titled Wonderful, Terrible, Being Non-Binary in a World Still Trying to Figure Out What That Means. It's on April 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the MCC. So that is that Tuesday of week four. Mm -hmm. And it's going to touch on uh, finding joy in oneself as well as community and connection with others. And it emphasizes and poses one like really important question, which is how can we, we meaning both transgender, non-binary, gender conforming, and cisgender people, mm -hmm. uh, how can we all make gender more joyful and less harmful for ourselves and everyone we interact with? I do also want to mention that keynote is going to be ended with a really cool event, which is a book signing. So a few of our lucky attendees who are registered to attend will actually be able to receive a book and get it signed afterward by Dr. Ayrton himself. We're headed into Wednesday. I know that you have events that are specific for uh, grad students, and then you have Identities, which is one of the events that persists throughout the quarter, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, that's right. So to talk about that grad student coffee hour, that's led by a graduate empowerment coordinator at the RCSGD, and they'll be hosting that on the third floor terrace from 9 to 11 a.m. That's a space for any graduate students to drop in and speak with Dr. Lee Ayrton themselves. So uh, anyone is welcome. They can feel free to register on Shoreline or talk to our graduate student empowerment coordinator. Hmm. The Identities is a discussion group for anyone who identifies within a certain topic or label. So uh, that week we're hosting Trans Troy. It's a space where we're going to have people come in and we can talk about things that bring a trans, non-binary, gender-conforming community joy. So that might be a personal experience. It might be a community event. It might be a historic event. It could be really anything that folks want to talk about. And that's facilitated by myself and one of our office assistants at the RCSGD. I would just like to say that Trans Joy, we chose this theme because it is so important. That's the whole point of Trans Week of Visibility is to focus yeah. on the positives rather than like the negatives. This is supposed to be a time of celebration. And I feel like as a community, we don't talk nearly enough about 
the joy of transness, the euphoria of it. I'm very excited to attend that, though I will not be hosting. But what I will be hosting is our trans and non-binary and GNC discussion group, which we hold every Wednesday from 5 to 6.30. But we have to keep it going for Trans Week of Visibility because we didn't have enough events yet. <laughs> that is a closed space. Um, it's a, a discussion group and pseudo support group though we are not professional therapists <laughs> um it's a space for trans and non-binary people to talk about their gender experience talk about how their week was and know that everyone else in the room has somewhat of a similar background or, or experience as they do um uh, we have a lot of regular people that really really enjoy this this time and this space every week so that's going to be 5 to 6 30 on wednesday Wonderful. And now we have uh, on Thursday, this is one of the other events that persists throughout the quarter, BIPOC Empowerment Hours. Yes, the QT BIPOC Empowerment Hours are facilitated by our QT BIPOC Empowerment Coordinator. Uh, QT BIPOC meaning queer, trans, uh, black, indigenous, person of color. So those are hosted, like you said, quarterly, and they're actually hosted every week as well. And those will be 6 to 8 p.m. in the RCSG Lounge. That event actually is going to focus on I believe it's a discussion on decolonizing gender. So uh, gender can be you know, thought of in many ways, but typically when you're in a certain context, you'll think of it in a certain way. So in this case, uh, folks who are from the United States or from uh, countries where colonization has occurred in the past or currently, it's often thought of in that colonial and that colonized form. So how can we talk about gender in ways that is decolonized, meaning mm -hmm. it's central to someone else's culture, it's, someone, it's central to someone else's past, their own experience. Uh, so that discussion will be happening on Thursday. And then finally, this is going to be uh, Friday, last day of Trans Week of Visibility. So Trans Week of Visibility, that Friday is going to have our biggest event, the one that's taken us the most time to plan. And so hopefully the one that attends, uh, that people mostly want to look forward to, mostly want to attend. It's our Trans Week of Visibility Resource Fair. So that'll be Friday, April 22nd, 11 to 2 p.m. on Lot 22 Lawn. And that's basically, if you're coming in from IV, it's right in front of the Pardal Light Tunnel. Uh, it's also across from the SRB, the Student Resource Building. In case you have any trouble finding it, we're also upstairs. We can help you direct there. But uh, what's going to be happening is multiple mini events, uh, the main one being department tabling. So we're really proud to be collaborating with over 11 departments on bringing people uh, resources from each of their departments. So that ranges from care, uh, the MCC will be there, health and wellness will be there, and many others, including some of our organizations on campus like OSTEM and a few off-campus organizations and departments like Pacific Pride as well. So we're hoping that we can bring a range of resources from housing, financial support, assistance, basic needs, mental health, of course, and anything else that might uh, be helpful to our trans students on campus. Our other events that we'll have are OSTEM art events. OSTEM is out in STEM. They're one of our LGBTQ student organizations that's currently active. They're going to be hosting multiple art events but it's art through science experiments. So it gets very interesting very quickly. Yeah. And then the last two events we have are our Helping Wellness Dog Therapy Booth. We're really excited because dog therapy is a really big at UCSB, specifically one of our dogs. If you know Sam the Pug, Sam the Pug is confirmed to join us. So if you're looking forward to Sam, please come over there. Uh, I also want to mention with that resource fair, anyone that attends that event or any of our events throughout the week, 
is also entered into our gender affirming drawing. Mm -hmm. So week five, people are contacted to come in and if they're a winner, they get to spin the wheel and get some form of gender affirming item. I do want to add, this is not on our poster because it just got moved um, mm -hmm. to the resource fair, but we are also having an auction, an art auction for um, where the benefits are going to help trans and non-binary students with gender affirming clothing and other items um, and allow us to do mini grants basically, which is something that we want to do, but we don't have the direct funding for. Um, so this fundraiser will take place at the same time as the resource fair. Um, and it, there will be art that has all been donated by students and staff at UCSB and other people. Um, it's all handmade stuff. So it's going to be like a really unique experience. If you're an art person who's interested in art and art collecting, I would highly recommend going to this event and um, participating in the silent auction and maybe getting a few unique pieces, especially supporting like art that's made in at UCSB. And then um, you'll also be supporting our trained students. So that is our last event. Sorry, I just wanted to plug that in there. Um, so this is all taking place during week four, April 18th to April 22nd. I do want to circle back very quickly to something that you had mentioned uh, regarding the origin of Trans Day of Visibility, Trans Week of Visibility, uh, parallel to Trans Day of Remembrance. Could you explain that a little bit more, the significance of visibility in comparison to remembrance? Um, I can take that a little bit because uh, I did run our Trans Day of Remembrance event so Trans Day of Remembrance is rooted in the fact that trans people have been targets of violence throughout a long part of history. Um, and there's just a lot of sorrow uh, surrounding that holiday. It's a time for us to like take a step back and recognize the people that we've lost that the past year and honestly in the past 100 plus years. Um, it's a collective mourning and it's a time of support and healing and just kind of silence in, in recognition of the, the violence that we are subjected to. Um, there's heavy, a heavy spotlight on trans women of color as they're the, the largest targets of this violence of transphobic violence. And, um, for this last trans day of remembrance, we had a vigil and, um, an art event to allow people time to process. Um, we had a name reading of all the names of people who have been murdered in the past year. And it was very intense, um, but a very necessary event. And it takes place at the beginning of the school year, a solemn kickoff to the year. So I'm really happy that we have Transit Week of Visibility to kind of counter that at the end of the school year. Um, so Transit Day of Visibility really let's just look at the other side. Let's just recognize that while there is a lot of violence against the trans community, um, there's also so much joy and and like coming together and um, support that we have for each other. And especially a community here, which is like, I don't want to say it's super tight knit, but I do like know as many trans people on campus as I can. And, and it makes me so happy to like have those people here and see them come to our events and see them interact with each other. Um, so Trans Day of Visibility is really a celebration. It's not exactly a counter for Trans Day of Remembrance, but it is just an opportunity to look at the other side and see like, look, it's not all bad. Like we're living happy, full lives. And um, I, I think it's really important that we have this holiday because it's not all bad. Like a lot of people 
um, a lot of cis people kind of get the idea that they see the news, they see the violence and they go like, that's not a life that anyone should live. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are living it and people are still thriving despite yeah. what's happening. What you said really like sums it up really well. Uh, trans day of visibility is not a counter to trans day of remembrance, but it is a reminder that we should honor trans lives, not just in death, but also in life as we are currently living. And of course, it also brings awareness to not just our celebrations and our accomplishments, but also to the struggles that we still face and to how uh, folks who are not just trans, non-binary, gender conforming, but also cisgender Mm -hmm. can contribute to trans justice and liberation. Uh, I also want to mention for Trans Day Visibility, the way that we really chose to honor some of those uh, trans leaders and activists and community members who are still living and who are still doing this uh, trans justice work uh, we had our Trans Day Visibility Community Panel, and we had it as a webinar this past March 31st on Thursday. So that was a recorded panel where we asked folks to share a little about their experiences on campus, the work that they do with the community, and of course, uh, things that the community can come to talk with them about, how they can connect, uh, what they might connect on. And so that was actually our Trans Day Visibility event that was leading up to trans visibility in a way to honor our community members. Is there anything else that we would like to say specifically regarding Trans Week of Visibility for our CSGD? Um, I just want to say, please use Shoreline. Um, Shoreline is the uh, web app that we use to coordinate all of our web, like our event signups and um, and registration and check-ins. And it's very important for our tracking attendance or our like showing that there is support for the events that we run um, so that the school will continue to support us. Um, So uh, all of our events are listed on Shoreline. There's details, there's, um, you can sign up and make sure that you like tell us that you're going to be there. Um, And that is, as Marco mentioned, the way that we will be doing our um, prize drawing. So if you are interested, if anyone's interested in being a part of the drawing and wants to win some prizes, you got to register for events on Shoreline. You have to check in, um, and that helps us use the the system that we use. But um, I just wanted to say that that's the best way. Um, that and Instagram is the best way to see what our events are and to make sure that you are attending. <laughs> for our uh, trans community lunch, we do require that people register on Shoreline and fill out our Google form on Shoreline in order to make sure that they have a meal reserved for them. Um, we do provide food at that event. So if you would like a meal, you plan on coming, um, please fill out both those things and um, we will make sure that there is food reserved. For registration and more information regarding the events mentioned during this interview, search for RCSGD on Shoreline. You can additionally contact the RCSGD through their Instagram at rcsgd.ucsb. That's at rcsgd.ucsb. With KCSB News, I'm Daniel Vasias. Take care.